Welcome to Oh, I Like That, a podcast about things we like and occasionally things we don't. I'm Rachel Wilkerson-Miller. And I'm Sally Tamarkin. Hello and happy Labor Day, Rachel. Happy Labor Day to you, Sally. Here we are. This is our kind of our plan B for recording this episode. We, we sat down to record a few days ago. We were all ready to go. And oh boy, did we just have technical problem after technical problem. It really was a remarkable shit show. I can't believe that many things went wrong that we were unable to record in the end through like no fault of our own equipment or anything like that. Like one tiny bug within the software that we used to record that we were unaware of until like an hour into the process of trying to figure out what was wrong. So glad we're back and making this happen. And ironically, the solution to our tech problems was for me to download the Microsoft Edge browser, which (laughs) I've never heard of, but I'm assuming is like Internet Explorer 2.0 2.0 or something yeah. like that. And I just think it's it's funny that a like relatively janky browser is the solution to all of our problems. But here we are and yeah. we seem to be recording a podcast. Yeah. Thank you to Microsoft Edge who did not sponsor this. But, <laughs> but in a way, very in much a way, good. Yeah. This is brought to you by Microsoft Edge. <laughs> okay. So Rachel, what is the vibe right now? I think the vibe is medium. The vibe when we initially planned to record was like extremely bad. I think now we've had a couple days of distance from the terrible news of last Last week, but it's still not great. So, you know, we often talk about the weather on this show. And last week, the weather was a big part of the reason that the vibe was bad because Hurricane Ida was making its way through the US and hit New York in just like a shocking fashion. The city was totally unprepared. Dozens of people have died. There was just like catastrophic flooding and zero warning. It was wild. Like we had no idea that this was coming. And this is coming after two weekends ago, we were totally hunkered down. We went to the grocery store, like we were prepared. And this week we had no warning. And it was really alarming to wake up to images on Twitter of the corner that we live on with cars floating, like right outside our building. And we had no idea it was happening. Like we got the emergency alert at like uh, 11 that night. And I don't know, we get emergency alerts for a lot of things actually. So it didn't totally register. But I also think at that point it was like maybe too late. Like it was already really, really bad at this point. So I feel really upset by it. I feel really shaken just how unprepared we were. There's been a lot of news in the days since that the people most affected by it were poor or, you know, like there's, uh, I'm going to link to in the show notes to a a really good New York Times article about these basement dwellings that a lot of undocumented people live in, in New York and Queens that are just really, really dangerous. They're not like legal approved apartments. And this is a moment like this is why, because they don't have enough emergency exits and windows and things like that. And those were what flooded a lot in, in a lot of these cases. And it's just, is like after the past year and a half to, to have something like this hit and hit a vulnerable community extra hard is just like, I don't know. I just feel really disheartened by that. And then we've also got the news out of Texas. So you want to take that one? (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, really like weirdly regressive and authoritarian abortion restrictions in Texas, which are like pretty bad in a landmark kind of way on like multiple levels. We'll, we'll, We'll have links in the show notes to places that you can donate to. Please you know, support those places. And most of them are like mutual aid that help people in Texas or anywhere you'd like to support get, you know, access safe abortions. Between the fact that like New Orleans is out of power for like a month 
and the catastrophic flooding in New York City and elsewhere that, like you're saying, killed a bunch of people, mostly people, you know, already from vulnerable, marginalized, vulnerable because they're marginalized communities, like during a pandemic, the fact that like our infrastructure is just like completely not ready for the climate crisis that we are in. And also that like those most harmed are the people who are always the most harmed by everything really bad, which is like poor people, people of color, people who are undocumented, LGBTQ people, trans people, trans people of color, et cetera. Like it's, it's like last week felt incredibly like I felt a, a, like an existential despair. Yeah, me too. That, you know, it's not like unfamiliar to me, particularly over the last like several years. But like, you know, I think that like since, you know, Trump not getting reelected and like vaccines coming out felt like very tiny blips of hope, despite the fact that we also had like an extreme right wing insurrection and the Delta variant <laughs> people don't get vaccinated. Like, you know, those things weren't making me feel like, great, our work's done. Everything's fine. Mm-hmm. But like, I, I was feeling just like tiny bits of relief that were like, this is the kick in the pants I need to like keep going. And that all just completely paled in comparison to like what the last week has been like. And I think like now it's like less raw. Like it's been a few days mm-hmm. since we heard about the Texas stuff. And, and, you know, the thing is like, there's there's really bad news and it's like really truly terrible and scary and then within like 12 to 48 hours people are organizing and like figuring out how to deal with it and in fact mm-hmm. like organizers and activists have been like preparing for this for a very long time and so like between that and just like the initial shock wearing off i think you know the vibe has gone from like probably the lowest it could have possibly been <laughs> to like okay, we have like a little bit of, of distance and perspective. So we're, we're kind of in a medium place right now. Yeah. That sounds right. Oof. Okay. So yeah, we'll link to a bunch of stuff in the show notes. You have Mm -hmm. some like really awesome articles, particularly some that are related to like the Texas abortion stuff, but then also like some really, really good stuff about like the, you know, climate stuff and so on. Cool. All right. Oof. Okay. So for today's main segment, we are talking about one of my all-time favorite books, The Art of Gathering by Priya Parker, which I've been singing the praises of for a few years now, and I finally convinced you to read, Sally. And we haven't gotten to talk about your thoughts on the book yet. So um, let's kick off there. But I guess we should also give some context for what this book is and like why I love it so much and what it's about. And then we can get into your thoughts. Love it. The gist is that our gatherings, whether that is birthday parties or work meetings, are not good and that they could be made better by sort of following some simple principles to just make them more meaningful, more enjoyable, more efficient, sort of whatever the goal is of whatever the gathering is. Like we can do that if we just follow some of these guidelines. And they're both like really smart and intuitive, but also unexpected. And I think that's what I liked about it so much. It's one of those books that you're reading it and you're like, oh, this makes total sense but I never would have thought about it before or I never would have thought of this on my own. So it's like really helpful 
to have somebody confidently tell you, like, try it this way. And you're like, I will try it this way. This <laughs> totally makes sense and absolutely works. So Priya Parker has been a facilitator of different types of gatherings, just whether it's political or like really lovely dinners with friends, like ev- everything kind of across the spectrum. And she also interviews a lot of facilitators and organizers about the gatherings that they've had and what's made them successful and what hasn't. And it's just like a really practical book, which I love too, that it's like, do this, do this, do this. And I love that kind of practical versus just sort of the like cerebral, like, you know, wouldn't it be great if, and it's like, no, she's like, do these things. And I think that's what I loved so much about it. So mm-hmm. I'm curious, Sally, to hear your thoughts. Yeah. You've been recommending this for a while. And in fact, <laughs> like you've told me enough about the book that I have some takeaways from it on post-it stuck to my monitor even before I read the book. But so I, yeah, I was like moved to read it because like this particular moment of my life is like a, a gathering heavy moment that like I just went to a party this last weekend to celebrate my brother's wedding earlier in the year, which was like, no one was really, it was like an outdoor thing that no one was really invited to because it was like it was post-vaccination and pre-Delta, but it just still didn't feel right to have people like traveling and doing a big thing. So we had like an outdoor pizza party for him this past weekend. And then I have a couple weddings coming up. And I just think there's something about, you know, like it's warm weather and people are getting together because it's warm and also it's starting to cool off, at least here in the Northeast, which means like I think people are wanting to get in there like, you know, before we like burrow away for winter. So I was like, it maybe seems counterintuitive that like a book about getting a bunch of people together during the pandemic would feel really relevant. But it it did feel so relevant to me more so than it would have any other time because one of Priya Parker's like I think overarching points is like being more intentional about planning how you bring people together will make the gathering much, much, much better. Mm-hmm. And I've, I don't think I've ever <laughs> planned anything with more intention than like a very small <laughs> gathering of like a couple of people during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Like there's just so much that has to go into it. And one thing I I really love about the book is that she's very like, She's like, it's not being like a chill host isn't doesn't make your gathering better. Being like, it's cool. Let's all hang out. Whatever happens, happens like that. That doesn't a great gathering make. And it's not only is it okay to be like, okay, I really want to think through like not just how logistics are going to work, but like, are the people I'm inviting going to feel comfortable with one another? Is this a good mix of people? Like, do people understand the purpose of the gathering? Will my guests all feel comfortable and safe? Like, it's it's actually cool to think about, think of those things, you know? And I sometimes feel like a stick in the mud because I tend to think sort of really intensely about all of the things that go into making a gathering feel fun and safe and comfortable. And I think that's because we do, I think, value being a chill host and being like, if I'm just not like, like it's, it's like, it's cool and chill to not have structure or it's cool and chill to not have rules. So when you do want to, when you are someone who's like, I have like, I have an agenda and I have a way I want things to go and I have a plan. It, you know, can make me feel a little bit like, man, I'm a real buzzkill. But reading this, I was like, man, (laughs) I'm I'm not a buzzkill because Priya Parker's events sound really cool. And like she, so yeah, so she's like really into throwing really fun dynamic social gatherings. But the thing that I think makes her like an absolute master of giving this advice is that, as you said, Rachel, professionally, she's a facilitator. And so she is hired by various groups and organizations to facilitate conversations that 
need to result in decisions or making a plan for something or a vision. And I know a little bit about this because my partner is a facilitator and basically does the same exact thing. And, you know, we talk a lot about how difficult it is to bring people together and particularly like, I, I just feel like anyone who doesn't feel dread at seeing like a workshop or a conference or a group mm-hmm. meeting come up, like people I think are going into these kinds of events feeling like, well, this is going to be like boring and it's going to be the same old, same old. And the same people who always talk are going to take up all the space and that everyone else isn't going to get to talk and blah, blah, blah. And the, the facilitator has is dealing with, I think, like that dynamic and has to bring all of those people to like make an, a really important decision about their organization or their mission or whatever and that requires i think a lot of a lot of intention a lot of generosity a lot of comfort with authority a lot of comfort with saying like we're going to do this and we're not going to do this like you're an essential person to come to this gathering and you shouldn't be at this gathering like mm-hmm. and so i think that makes all of the advice that she gives really really valuable. And the last thing I'll say is that like some of the stuff I think like I I don't actually think that like I would want to go to all of the kinds of social events she talks about. They sound Mm-mm. they sound really like intense. <laughs> um, but <laughs> right, there's like a bachelor party where like they, they kidnapped the groom or something like that yeah. and I think like you and I are both like oh no 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 no, 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 no. never in a million years. But the like the point is like these are gatherings that are like you know what you're getting into they're intentionally planned i think uh, like know your audience is a big part of this and a big thing that she says is like you know some of this might resonate with you and some of it might not you know take what you what you like and leave what you don't and so you know she talks a lot about like certain kinds of like social gatherings that truly sound like my worst nightmare not because they wouldn't be like fun and well-planned for a certain kind of person. But I just, I'm not, I don't want to get up in front of a group and like sing a toast. You know what I right, mean? But exactly. Plenty of people do, you know? Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. I think that this, you know, I read this book in 2018. I was managing a fairly big team. And so I was thinking, I actually had my whole team, like I got copies of the book for my whole team so they could all read it. We liked it a little book club around it because I felt like work meetings are, they, you know, they take up so much of our life. They are often so terrible, so dreadful. Like you said, you get this thing put on your calendar and like, oh, great, like four hours with a bunch of people to like, you know, do terrible icebreakers and then like go to lunch. I don't know. Like it's going to be awful. (laughs) And so, you know, I think the advice really applies there even more so now that we are working virtually. But I actually don't know if you know this, Sally, but right after I read this book, I was working on something at BuzzFeed that I was working on the project that introduced me to my girlfriend. And this is like my second time meeting her. She was running a design sprint for a bunch of people, which it's like the Google design sprint. It's like a very, like a formula for how you like brainstorm and generate ideas. And it's like very regimented. So I had just read this book and then I watched her facilitate this design sprint. And like, she started off by saying like, so we're going to do this. Like we have a lot to cover. So during certain exercises, I'm going to set timers. And when the timer goes off, we stop what we're doing. I'm going to have to, like, if you're talking, I'm going to cut you off. We're going to have to move on. And I sat there and I was like, oh my God, like this is, this is Priya Parker's book. Did she, I was like, did she read this book? She'd never heard of it. But I was like, oh, this is somebody who like is not a chill host and is running an incredible event. Like I was just like 
I like the star eyes emoji at how she ran this event. And it like followed the advice so perfectly that I was like, oh, this stuff absolutely works in practice. And I think like we all went into this again being like, we have a lot of different people here to make a lot of different decisions. This is going to be awful. And like she was just like, no, this is going to work. And here's how we're going to do it. And everyone's going to feel heard. She also was like, you know, here's how we're going to vote on ideas. If there's a tie, here's this person is the tiebreaker. Like, end of story. And I was just like, oh my God. And like, you know, working at BuzzFeed, that's like not how things work. No, that's absolutely incredible. I I wish I could have attended that because that would have been like the only time in my life (laughs) I would have attended such a well-run and able to achieve its like objectives meeting. It was so impressive. And ever since then, I've just been like, wow, you really like you can do this if you are confident and like people and 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 Priya talks about this in the book, like you want to be in the hands of a confident leader. And she says, you know, her whole thing is don't be a chill, a chill host rule with generous authority, which means like you have to have authority, but it should be in service of everybody there and in service of like the whole and achieving what you're there to achieve. And so, you know, it's OK to say like, hey, I'm so sorry to cut you off, but like we got to move on. And if you apply that to everybody, people appreciate it because how many times have you like been at a thing when they're like, we only have two minutes for questions. And then somebody's like, I've got more of a comment than a question. And everyone's like, yes, we'll just sit here held hostage. And like, I think she mentions this in the book. Maybe that, maybe not though, but I, I've heard an anecdote of like somebody saying like, I'm going to stop you right there. No, no comments, only questions. And everybody like cheering. I can't remember <laughs> if that was in the book or not, but like yeah. everybody is sick of this shit and you want the person with the mic. Like I've been to really bad like panel events that are the facilitator is not moderating and they're just letting someone go on and on. And it's like, no, do your job. And so people actually, I think, appreciate it. And I think the more that we like abdicate that responsibility, like you abdicate it to the loudest voice in the room. And like, that's not what we all signed up for. We came to see to your event to have you host it. I don't want like your buddy from college taking over. That's not what I'm here for. So I think, you know, this is really validating and it's a boost of confidence that like if you're in charge, be in charge. Like if you're the host, host your party or host your event. Like that's that's what we're here for. Totally. And one thing I was thinking about as I was reading the book, I was thinking a lot about how often I've been like on my way to an event, like a social event and been like, wait, what's like, I don't, what's happening? Are we like eating and then doing a thing or like, what's the vibe of this thing? Or like, are like, is so-and-so like, is there a partner, are partners allowed? Like, it's just like, there's like a lack of clarity about the thing you're attending. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. I, I have gotten used to being like, I guess like it's better for me to just like not ask those questions because this person didn't plan And like, that's not how you're supposed to be a chill party goer too, I guess is Mm -hmm, is what I'm saying. mm -hmm. So like, don't be all like, Hey, like, I wonder like, so like, when are we going to eat? Or like, you know, I I think especially of like a wedding that I went to several years ago and there was like the ceremony and then the reception was meant to take place after the like photography session and the photography, you know, like how they do photos of like the bridal party and all that. And that took so, so, so long. And everyone was like, wasted and starving because they were serving us drinks and not giving us food. And it's like, you know, I think like the expectation is like, you know, be a chill party go or like show up at the place. And like, you know, it's like, don't, don't worry if they're going to have the kind of food that you want to eat or the kind of food that like you can eat. Don't worry if like, you know, they like, who knows if you're supposed to bring something like, you know, that, that whole thing. And I really like how validating it is. That's like, you know, people feel like good about going to something that is being conducted with this kind of generous authority where, Mm -hmm. you know, you generally know what to expect and the host is there to like make sure everyone's like, you know, needs are being met and stuff like that. And I, I really, 
really appreciate how that is just kind of a perspective shift in how we think about, you know, coming together either when we are hosting something or when we are, you know, the attendee. I agree. I think anyone who's planning a wedding has to read this book. To me, it's like it's such a helpful foundation for how you think about everything from the guest list to what you're putting on your wedding website, how you're communicating things. And I think, you know, you kind of touched on this, but like during this pandemic, it's been even more important for like for over communication around safety, around like what the expectation is. Like it's not enough to just say like, yeah, we'll be pretty safe. It's like, no, but actually like how many people are going to be there? And, and at this point, it's like, is everybody vaccinated? Are we doing masks? Like what if somebody, what if we need to eat? Like what's the deal? I think just people have questions. Not everyone will, but like, you know, Terry, who we often mention on this show, will often say when we're like getting together, like, should I eat before? Are we going to eat? when we get together, because especially if you're like gathering at a weird time, like it too, are we eating or what? And like now at this point, I've just like, I think she probably like how she communicates this is like she I think she's often been like a little embarrassed to ask this. Mm -hmm. And now she's more comfortable doing it. And I'm like, yeah, please do. But I'm also like thinking about it proactively to be like, let's eat because I know she's going to have this question. And like if she does, other people are too. And just like just trying to learn from what people are asking you about, like if everyone's asking you something then there's probably like you need to do some more communication about it or like going forward, like make that part of the communication that you're sharing. Like what's what's the plan? Everyone wants to know what the plan is, I think. I think that's a huge takeaway. Like I think that like if if a single person has a question, it's like a pretty much a sure thing that someone else, if not like several other people do too. And the other thing is that like, you know, give when you're hosting something, whether it's a social event, like a big old social event, like a wedding or just a smaller get together, like a hangout with friends in the park or like a work thing, you know, some people will be annoyed by not having information about what is going to be expected of them and what the thing is going to be like. No one is going to be annoyed or frustrated at having the information. You know what I mean? Like, so you sort of, I think that like, you can't really go wrong by like making people aware of like what to expect. The other thing that what you said about Terry and like the should I eat before kind of question, the other thing that like I always feel like a a real, again, a stick in the mud for asking is like that thing. Actually, this happened to us when we went out to dinner in Brooklyn, like my partner and you and your partner, like we tried to go to a restaurant and there was like a zillion hour wait. And then we had Mm -hmm. to figure out what our plan was. It was like, do we wait? Do we go to a bar and drink? Do we find another place? And like, Mm. I love like beforehand being like, okay, like just in case this place doesn't have anything open, like what's the plan? Do we want to like, because if that gets raised, then I feel comfortable being like, I cannot drink for like 90 minutes and wait to eat. Like I'll be really Mm -hmm. hungry and wasted. So if that happens, can we just say that we like go next door to this place or that we do this sure thing or whatever. And like, I think that's another sort of, I I guess it, it sounds like very, very, very minor, but like, I think it can make the difference between a hang or like a gathering that ends up being sort of shitty because like you don't have a plan or people feel kind of uncomfortable saying that's the other thing is that like, if the, if like a host is, or someone is there to like bring something up and be like, let's figure this out. Like no one has to feel weird about feeling like they need to have their needs met when maybe they feel embarrassed for having the need. Agree completely. I think that being this kind of host makes people feel comfortable expressing their needs, you know, sharing any concerns that they have, asking their questions. Like even if you don't answer every single question up front, like the fact that you're thinking about these things 
makes it clear that you care about the people who are coming to your gathering and makes them feel like they can ask any other questions they have. Because I think a lot of times people just like hem and haw and they're like, should I wear this or should I wear that? Well, you know, like they're working through all these scenarios and the simplest answer is just to ask Mm -hmm. and they don't want to. And I think like you got to make it so that people feel comfortable asking these questions. And again, that's going to make them more excited to come and it's going to make them turn around and like do the same when they host. And I think that ultimately is really helpful is like showing people how this can look. Totally. I think like one just like asterisk to this whole thing, which I wanted to just mention, I was talking about this with my friend Zara who also read the book and has a wedding coming up is like she was reading it and she was like, my question is like, how do you put this stuff into practice? And in, in a lot of ways, like like you say, Rachel, like it is really practical advice. It's just like plan your party this way, make this a part of your process. But I think one thing, the one like like hitch to that is that because we do have a culture of like being chill hosts and chill party goers and it can, you know, you maybe will feel like you're being a buzzkill if you're like, so when are we eating? Or like, are we going to eat? It's like, what do you do when you want to like, do you want to have this like intentional kind of gathering either because you want to host one or you want to attend things that are more intentional? How do you like do that when it's sort of like you might be perceived as not chill or annoying, you know, because it's sort of, Mm -hmm. it's like kind of countercultural almost. I mean, how do we do anything when we might be perceived as not chill or annoying? Like, I think it takes a sort of like an internal sense of rightness and like belief that what you're doing is worthwhile and important. And I think that books like this are helpful because I think that if you're reading this and you're thinking about this stuff, you're already sort of pointed in that direction. But sometimes you need somebody to help you feel more confident in it. And I think it's sort of following that following that gut feeling of like, no, I think this is the right thing to do. And so not everyone will necessarily agree or not everyone will do it the same way or like some people might think that I'm being too fussy but like I believe that this is for the best and so I'm going to commit to it I think you know you can also start small to like ease into these things and it is like when you're having friends over for a pizza party or you're having friends over for anything and you're like hey also if we get hungry we'll order pizza like doing those little things and seeing that people actually appreciate it I think helps you build up the confidence to do it at a much bigger level but I think it ultimately comes from just like that innate sense of like I believe in this. I want, I think this is important and I want to do it. It's the way I would want to be treated. So I'm going to do that for other people as well. Yeah, that's a really good call. And I think that like, if you read this book and it resonates with you, that's sort of all you need to like fuel your, this seems right. And I'm going to try it out. Mm-hmm. Agree. So Sally, you had the great idea that instead of like just talking about this book, we could use this free worksheet that Priya Parker has made for planning gatherings. And we could like plan a fictional gathering in real time to, short, to sort of illustrate like how this looks in practice and how we would think about it if we were planning something. So we've come into this, like we've got the worksheet open, but we're coming into this fairly cold. We don't have, we don't have an idea planned yet. So we're going to work through all of the, the sort of rules and guidelines in real time to show how effective this can be. Yeah. So we'll link to where on Priya Parker's website, you can see the worksheet that we're using, but she basically has these five rules for creating a gathering and and that comes also with a checklist. And we're going to go through those rules and we're going to do her little, the exercises that are included. All right, Sally. So let's get started by deciding what our pretend gathering is going to be. I think we talked about something pride related, like a belated pride kind of party. We talked about maybe something like a former BuzzFeeders reunion, like, or maybe like the team that I managed that you were on for a little while and like my team that I had for a while, something like that. 
we didn't talk about this idea, but one thing that my coworker Amy Rose had mentioned earlier in the summer was like have a birthday party for everyone who missed theirs. Ooh, that's good. Last year. Isn't that fun? It's a, it might be a little late for that now. Like I feel like the moment has kind of passed, but yeah. I'm trying to think of other like big – I guess we've got Halloween coming up. There, There's – a potential for a Halloween party. Oh, yeah. Or like a fall thing. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think also maybe like a we're heading into another pandemic winter. Let's have like a it's kind of like the last hang of the summer, but maybe it's like, you know, like the the spirit of the last hang of the summer before school starts, but mm. the it's like last hang of like the fall before pandemic winter. Mm. So kind of like a prom, like end of year, like we're heading off to college, kind of a, a get, oh, a get man, together. I, I love that. <laughs> I love a prom. Yeah. We Okay. Anything prom sound good? Like you want to do, I think fall kind of a fall theme is nice. All of these things together. What are you thinking? I, I like a fall theme because I think that like that lends itself to some ideas for like activities. Mm-hmm. I think you could like invite people to like, you know, wear something autumny or harvesty or something like that. Like I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of fun that can be had there. So maybe that if it appeals to you. It appeals to me. Let's go with a fall party. Like let's keep it just loosely defined as like a fall party because I think we're going to get into what that means specifically in, the, in in this exercise. So we're having a fall party. So okay. The first rule, Rachel, is give your gathering a purpose. And so she says, gathering well begins with a specific, unique, and disputable purpose. Why? Uh, when should we gather and why? We often confuse the category of a gathering, birthday, baby shower, wedding, dinner party, with the reason we are coming together. When we don't examine the deeper assumptions behind why we gather, we end up replicating the same old party formats. I mean, this is some of her best advice. It's again, it's one of those things that like, oh yeah, like when you read it, a light bulb goes off, but it's not something you would think about. And I think all those examples she gives are really helpful. If you think about something like a baby shower, and I think she kind of talks about this in the book, there's a big difference between like, we're having a baby shower as like a family reunion for everyone to see each other versus like, we're having a baby shower to make the new parents feel like incredibly loved and like supported on their journey versus like, you know, we're the, the new parents are kind of down on their luck and they like really need community like financial support. So we're having a baby shower to like provide them with things like those are three different things that could happen in a baby shower. And so when you decide on like who you're inviting and what the entertainment's going to be and all those little things like that kind of differentiation of purpose will give you a really clear path forward. So I love this advice so much. Yeah, I do too. I do too. And it's like, depending on your purpose, your event will look a little different just because it's a baby shower. It doesn't mean that like baby shower A is going to look the same as B and C if baby shower A, B and C all have different purposes. Exactly. Okay. So now we can move into the actual worksheet, which is the art of gathering of reflections. Um, Going with the flow and catering to everyone makes for a fine event, but narrowing your gathering to a specific and unique purpose creates an opportunity to thrill. When you're planning your next gathering for someone, think beyond the category. Let the following questions guide you in identifying its purpose. What is the occasion? Who is this event for? What are their needs in this specific moment? Which need will this gathering address? What is the host's need? Why are you the one planning it? What is your unique gift or superpower that you're bringing around your knowledge of the guest of honor or group? And how might you, we tap into your guests or co-hosts' unique skills or knowledge as well? Use the table below to help you begin planning with a specific purpose. So first, we're gonna, we need to determine the category. Then we're going to do three reasons to bring people together in this moment. And then what is the most important need? Be specific. Cool. All right. So is category just fall party? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think category is like, I don't know if also she wants like, is this a social hang or is this like a right. professional, like all day workshop or something? So mm-hmm. I think like so social hang. Yeah, is, a fall is, social hang. Yeah, fall social hang. 
Yeah. Okay. So three reasons to bring people together in this moment. What are the needs? I mean, I think that like people are feeling a lot of existential despair and dread about the fall and winter. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like I think, I don't know, maybe this is the same as what you just said, but I think like doing something intentionally to get together and do something kind of social before it becomes sort of cold and it's hard to hang out because it's not as nice to be outside when it's freezing cold. And I think you and I are definitely pretty much only doing outdoor hangs because Mm -hmm. of pandemic safety. Yes, that is correct. And actually, this is a good time to point out. I actually interviewed an epidemiologist a couple days ago for my next column, which when this episode goes live, will be out. We will link to it in the show notes, but it's basically how to make vaccinated hangouts a little bit safer. So like you're vaccinated, all your people are vaccinated, but like you're still feeling like, what should we do? She had a lot of great tips. She's really, really smart and helpful. But the number one takeaway was do things outside, mm-hmm. do things outside, do things outside, do them outside. If you need to go indoors to go to the bathroom and things like that, put masks on when you do that. So that is like our big disclaimer for this episode of like, please do not plan indoor hangouts without like uh, keeping them super small, utilizing testing. Like that's a whole different conversation, but like hangouts are not out of the question right now if you are vaccinated and you're hanging out with vaccinated people, but they got to be outside as much as possible. So that's that's what we're planning for this gathering. And I hope you'll plan that. Any gatherings you're planning, I hope you'll find ways to keep them outdoors. Okay. So our reasons are people are feeling existentially zero at fall and winter. I'm going to also put for one of our reasons, like last hang. I think last hang is a yeah. big reason. Yeah. Before winter. What else? I think like, you know, we only had so much time this summer to hang out with people and getting everyone together kind of who couldn't get together as much as they wanted to this summer. Or like I saw a few people here and there, but we haven't gotten together as a group could be one just like kind of like an ex- a, a nice extension of summer. Like we're, st- we're, we're still catching up on all of the hangouts we lost. That's so true. Yeah. We're still making up for lost time. I love that. Yeah. Okay. Those are our three needs. And I think they're great needs. I do too. All right. What is the most important need? Be specific. I think gathering with people in a way that feels as unmarred by this terrible pandemic as humanly possible. Mm -hmm. Before it becomes impossible to do Before it becomes impossible. And I think, you know, one thing about an outdoor hang that's great is that like you kind of forget that this thing you, you you're 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 hanging out with people without masks yeah. generally you know what i mean and maybe there's hand sanitizer on the tables and people have a mask on them in case someone has to go inside and use the bathroom but you're it's just like the old times where yeah. you're sitting around outside hanging out with friends and i think like for me that is like a probably the most important need i agree awesome okay okay on to the next thing rule number 2 make purpose your bouncer A specific purpose helps you decide what goes into your gathering and what stays out. This starts with your guest list. I take no pleasure in exclusion and often break my own rule, but the thoughtful gatherer understands that inclusion for the sake of being overly polite or not making decisions can distract from your carefully curated purpose. Inattentive over-inclusion can keep connections shallow because of the increasing complexity and various needs of a group as it expands. When guests come for reasons other than the clear and specific purpose of the gathering, it can be harder to meaningfully activate your guests around a shared purpose. The guest list should fulfill the purpose of the gathering. For example, if you're planning a reunion for a group of friends who are all now married, whether to include spouses or not should come back to what the purpose of the gathering is. Is it to connect like old times, in which case keep those significant others out? Or is it to reconnect with and bring in your new realities, in which case bring in those beloveds? Generous exclusion becomes a way of bounding a gathering that allows the diversity in it to be heightened and sharpened rather than diluted into a hodgepodge of people. 
It is part of the important task of communicating to the guests what this gathering is. Generous exclusion is thoughtful and defining. I live for generous generous exclusion. It's it. the best concept yeah. that anyone has ever come up with in the history yeah. of human life. <laughs> so one of the ways that, so there's this exercise to help you sort of think more about generous exclusion. Do you want to do this actual exercise, Rachel? Um, I mean, I think that like, has there ever been a time when you didn't want to invite someone to something? I feel like this is not a, a an, an exercise we should do on air. Like that's, I feel <laughs> that's fine <fair>. about <laughs> skipping going through that. But like, of course, of course, everyone who's ever hosted a meeting or a party has been like, should I invite this person? Do I have to? They're going to change the vibe or this person's great, but their partner sucks. Or I like this person's partner, but I don't know that I like them. Like we've yeah. all been through that. So I think that's a pretty common feeling. And like, sometimes it's totally fine in the end. And like, there's enough people there to diffuse it. And other times you're like, wow, I was right. This person sucks. And I, I wish they weren't here. So yeah. I think you can let that influence how you think about this for sure. I think this is kind of one of the most difficult like elements of planning a gathering is like, well, like everything you just said and like to so-and-so, well, so-and-so and so-and-so don't really like each other. And also, well, like I hurt this person's feelings if they're not invited. Right. And it, I think it can feel really hard to answer those questions. But I, I do think that that is where making purpose your bouncer is really helpful because it's like, okay, but inviting like these particular people would sort of take away from like what the purpose is. So we're going to generously exclude them. Exactly. And I think this is a great opportunity to talk about like, this is why it's okay to not have unvaccinated people at your party. Like, you know, obviously that's going to be different if you have kids of your own or friends with kids, like kids are unvaccinated through no fault of their own. So like, how do you want to handle that? But if we're talking about anyone who's eligible to be vaccinated, like I, I feel pretty strongly that like we're past the point of like having gatherings where the unvaccinated can be there. Like it's it's okay at this point to say like, again, we're talking about el- people who are eligible. I think it's pretty, it's pretty fine to say like, you got, you've got to be vaccinated to come to this hangout. I also think that like you can make the decision of like, it really is vaccinated only. That means kids aren't going to be able to make it if your purpose isn't like a child's birthday party. Like that goes back to the purpose and why we're doing this. I know it's a, like a really tough decision of whether or not to have unvaccinated kids around, but I do think it's worth like working through and thinking about what your purpose is and and what are the consequences of like, like if I don't invite any unvaccinated kids or a bunch of my friends who are crucial not going to be able to be there. Okay, well, if so, how do we make this safe enough to have the kids there? That's the kind of stuff to work through, I think, in this section. Totally. Yeah, I think that's totally right. So for our fall party... Mm-hmm. How will our purpose influence the like the the people we want to invite? I think that because this is about like really meaningful last hurrah before we go back inside, it needs to be the people who we like really want to see mm-hmm. and really like miss the most or important to us in the past year who are going to like uplift us and bring us joy. I don't think this is the time for like for me, I don't think this is the time for like friends of friends or like a really open kind of a like bring whoever like I want it to be the people who I like I want to have time for the people I care about the most and to like get FaceTime with them but I feel I'm open to other perspectives on this no I that's how I feel too and I think maybe it's also like the people that I've been really close with over the course of the pandemic and I feel like our like friendship over FaceTime and Zoom and text and stuff has like kind of sustained me like Mm -hmm. now let's see those people all together in person, which I think also means that it's like 
maybe this is sort of obvious that it's not a like invite people from like coast to coast. This is kind, yeah. kind of a, kind of a local hang. Yes, agree. Obviously, we are not local, but like we'll <laughs> like we're not in the same city, but like for the sake of this imaginary thing, it feels like a local a local hang. Right, exactly. And I think like, you know, a complication would be that like if we're co-planning a thing, we it's like, so are we inviting people that like are my friends but not your friends, your friends but not my friends? And I think a way of dealing with that is to be like, if the purpose is a get together with people who we feel really close to and want to make sure we get FaceTime with and that we have felt really connected to over the course of the pandemic, like maybe those are the people that fall into that category for both of us mm-hmm. or fall into that category for one of us, but the other person like knows and has a relationship with. I think that's right. And I, but I also kind of am feeling like if there's somebody who like you're that close to that I haven't met before, then I'd be like, yeah, they should be there. Even if like, I don't know them. Mm-hmm. I think like the, the spirit of this is like sort of bringing people together who are like ultimately like share values. And so I think it's okay to have some, some like mixing of people who've never met before if like we if there are like our closest friends we feel really strongly about and mm-hmm. like feel like you know you'll get along if you talk to them but if not it would still be nice for you to like get to say hi because you know that they're like meaningful in my life or vice versa so I could I can kind of see that one going either yeah way. no I think that's actually really nice and I think like if you know if we were actually planning this which maybe we should plan this right um, <laughs> and we look at the invitation list and we're like okay so actually now it looks like we have like eight people who are all really close with each other and have spent time together and like three to four people who have never met one another, then maybe it's like, okay, well, how's that going to work or whatever. And then, and maybe it's actually just a matter of like doing what Priya Parker suggests, which is just like being really telling people what the expectation is, which is Mm. like, this party is going to be about 12 people and a lot of us know each other, but some of us don't. So whatever. So just so that like, you know, you know how it is when you're going to a party where you're, when you're like on your way and you realize that the only person you know is the host. Mm -hmm. I I think like there's ways to kind of deal with that in the, in communicating with your guests. I agree. Okay. Should we move on to the next one? Yeah. Our party sounds really fun so far. It's great. Yeah. I'm, I'm pumped about this. So rule number three is design your invitation to persuade. Your gathering begins at the moment of discovery. For most guests, that moment of discovery begins with the invitation. Many of us fall into the same invitation template habits, digital invite design template, party category, who's hosting, time, date, location, RSVP details. But an invitation is not simply a pretty carrier of logistics. It's the carrier of a story. Storytelling helps to guide your guests and explain why you're asking them to meet in this way. Done well, it's an opening argument to persuade, even to entice. An invitation should prepare your guests for why you're bringing people together, what you're asking of them, what, uh, which part of themselves to bring, what to expect, and what role they might play in the occasion should they choose to accept. The invitation is a proposed temporary voluntary social contract. Here's what I'm asking and hoping to offer. Here's what I'm asking of you. Sound good? You in? Stop making the logistics of your event the central point of your invitation. Instead, tell a specific story of how and why this gathering needs to happen in this specific future way and why they're a crucial part of the experience. This short story should set the tone for the group experience and generate interest and excitement while also weeding out those who may not fit your purpose. Great invitations help guests more honestly and easily say a considered yes or no. Give it a try and practice the art of brief storytelling. Create two invitations. Invitation one, the traditional logistics-focused template described in Rule 3. Invitation two, use your notes from your purpose brainstorm to tell the story of why you're bringing people together in this moment. Which one is more compelling? Well, I just from doing this exercise, I know our storytelling invitation is already going to be more compelling. Exactly. <laughs> and I and I feel like this would be like us basically writing a short 
pithy, engaging, delightful few sentences about, you know, everything we talked about with purpose, which we'll be great at because we're both writers and editors Mm -hmm. and, you know, saying what we, what we hope the party will be like and what we hope guests can bring to it. Yeah. I think in this case, like just an earnest sharing of why we're doing this would be the most helpful thing. Like we're feeling, you know, bummed that summer is ending. We want to celebrate the people who are most meaningful to us. Like you are one of them. Like that is such a clear cut, like wonderful purpose that I I don't think it needs to be gimmicky. I don't think you need to overthink it. I don't think you need to like really like, like, yes, it's telling a story, but you don't have to like write a literal story. Like it's just sometimes just being honest, like that's enough. And I think that's what would work well here. Yeah, absolutely. Instead of being like just time, date, location, RSVP details, talk a little bit about why you're doing it and yeah. And your purpose, which I think you, you basically, this is already written by this point. If you've done like the purpose brainstorm. Exactly. Okay. So rule four is like a, a really fun one. It's one of my favorite rules, ditch etiquette for rules and create a more playful world. Looking to spice up your party, you can season your gatherings more deeply by creating a more playful world through temporary pop-up rules. Pop-up rules are not controlling or boring, but rather a rebellion against etiquette. Whereas etiquette allows for people to gather because they have been raised with the same silent codes and norms, pop-up rules allow people to gather because they are different because they are different, yet open to having the same experience. They allow us to make meaning together without having to be the same. The proper use of pop-up rules can help you get so much more out of a gathering because it can temporarily change and harmonize your guest's behavior for a specific bonded moment. You create the possibility of more experimental, humble, and satisfying gatherings. In a world of infinite choices, choosing one thing is the revolutionary act, and imposing that restriction can be quite liberating. What would your next networking event look like if you couldn't disclose what you do for a living? How would the energy change in the next mom's night if parents were playfully penalized for talking about their kids? Where might the dinner party conversation go if everyone had an incentive to keep their phone out of sight for the night? Brainstorm a few pop-up rules of your own to experiment with for your next gathering to help others be more present. Be playful and have fun with it. I already have an idea for a rule, which okay. by the way, I I like my knee-jerk reaction to making these rules is like, don't tell me to have fun. Maybe I want to talk about work, right, you know? Right, totally. But what her point is like, this can be a playful experiment. Give it a try. See how it goes. Yeah. In that spirit, I have found myself at gatherings talking about the pandemic mm-hmm. and I feel bored hearing myself talk and I feel bored listening to other people talking about the pandemic. Mm-hmm. What if there was a rule of like, we're not going to talk about, we're not going to talk about the pandemic. We're not going to talk about COVID. We're not going to talk about the death toll and how the, because we all read the same stuff, right? All the ICU mm-hmm. beds are full. Maybe there's a new variant that we have to worry mm-hmm. about there aren't mask mandates and there should be all of those things. Like what if that was just like off the table? Yeah. I think that like, I think that would be tough for people. And this is where it comes down to like the communication of it. Like, you know, whether it's like you could do it like a soft, like we're going to try really hard or you could make it like a swear jar where like if you have, if you catch yourself talking about like bad COVID news, you're putting a dollar in the jar or whatever, like, or you have to take a shot. I don't know. Like that could be more, (laughs) but also like deranged, but, um, yeah, just thinking about like how you can like playfully encourage. And I think what she does a really good job of in the book is, is showing how the like enforcement, quote unquote enforcement of the rules can be like a fun sort of bonding experience. And like, 
you don't want to have a rule and then not enforce it. That's frustrating because when people, some people are doing it and then they see other people right. not. I mean, like this is the story of COVID, right? So I think like thinking about how you can make it feel kind of participatory. So something that it is like, I think she gives an example in the book of like a, a meeting where like if people were late because people kept showing up late to this like big work conference, they kept showing up late to the next session. So the facilitator made somebody do 10 pushups when they were late. And then like the next time it was like, you know, anyone who's late has to do 10 pushups, which is like obviously like don't necessarily do that. But like the idea was that by the time the afternoon sessions were happening, like people were running to make it back. And, you know, thinking about how you can make it feel sort of like, you know, a, a, a joyful, fun experience of of having rules. So I think that like, if we want to do, you know, no talking COVID bad news, we're going to try to focus on the positive here without, you know, getting into toxic positivity, some kind of like, a, a swear jar or a drinking game or something like that could make it feel a little bit more playful and fun. Yeah. I love the idea of like, maybe it's not like, don't talk about the pandemic, but maybe it's like, no, no spiraling about, maybe it's like, yeah, COVID bad news. Like, I guess it's hard to enforce like a spiral because I can, <laughs> I, I can easily like spiral very quickly. And it's like, just kind of my mode of being, but like, yeah, maybe it's like, maybe it's like, you know, like bad COVID, we're going to try and talk about bad COVID news. And any, if someone does, like we take a sip of a drink or we like automatically switch to talking about a new thing we're really excited about. Because the other mm -hmm. thing is that like saying, oh wait, you're not supposed to talk about that. Then it's like awkward and there's a silence. So maybe mm -hmm. there's like a, a switch where it's like, and, and, and again, like this isn't about toxic positivity. This isn't to like make it so that we only talk about nice things um, because that's really boring. And I, I love talking about terrible things, <laughs> but I think that there's just like a, a mode that we can all get into it. And I think that it was kind of the same way after Trump was elected, like for like that year, all anyone could talk about was like Trump and how awful it was. And we all needed to process that. And those conversations can be really important. Important, but we are able to have those conversations anytime we want to. And in fact, we do. So I think it's okay to make one space be like, this is a party where instead of focusing on the really shitty COVID stuff that we're inundated with all the time, we're going to try to focus on stuff that is not that. And that doesn't mean you have to bring like facts about like good COVID news. Like you have to be like, but the <laughs> vaccination rate is so high and whatever, you know? Right. So yeah, I, I like having some kind of a, a like, a soft rule just to encourage, mm -hmm. you know, not spiraling. Yeah. And I think that if the way that it's implemented will encourage people to like catch themselves and be like, oh, there I go again. Got to put a dollar in the jar, whatever the case, like people will catch themselves doing it and like sort of pay the price happily. And in a lot of cases, if it's kind of like, you know, it's not like a, a series like, oh, fuck you. You talked about the pandemic. It's like, oh, oops, it's so easy to have that happen. Like we're all on the same page here. It's fine. Right. Like it's right. It's meant to be like a playful thing. Yeah. What about like other rules? I mean, yeah, I think that like for a for a party, I think it's like pretty chill. Like, I don't think that it is a place for a ton of rules, but I do think that this is an opportunity to talk about things like, you know, um, everybody should like wear your fall finest and like lean on like, you know, really dressing for this. And I don't know, like, are there, is there a, like, is there anything in that realm that's not a hard and fast rule? Like if you don't dress in cool fall outfits, you're going to be banned, but more like, and like, I think this is a good time to talk about what do we want to encourage and how do we like communicate that? Yeah, totally. I think like that's kind of what I was thinking. It's like it could be something like bring a fall like treat, mm -hmm. uh, you know, bring like a fall food or drink. It could be like wear something that makes you feel autumn-y and keeping it keeping it kind of broad like that. It's like it's okay that if you don't have something that has like pumpkins on it, it's okay that if you don't have a lot of like 
you know, earth tones and orange mm. and brown, you can wear like, you know, your favorite like sweater or, you know, a, a like a jacket that reminds you of fall. It can be like really, really loose. Mm-hmm. I like, I think like those kinds of things are fun because then, you know, you don't have to feel, it, do, it doesn't have to be something that if you're the kind of person who feels a little awkward doing something that may make you the center of attention, you know, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. okay. Like you don't have to come with like wearing a homemade cornucopia on your head or something. <laughs> oh, but I now <laughs> Having oh. said that though. <laughs> right. Oh, wait, this actually reminds me of something that I want to share that my coworker Amy Rose wrote. She wrote this really wonderful piece that was like how to make up for lost time with your friends this summer. Mm-hmm. And I, I, she said something about dressing that I want to share here. I'll oh, cool. It up. Her tip was dress like seeing one another is a special occasion and it'll feel like one. I know many people who like for their home team of friends to get ready together before big nights out and I am such a person myself. It's mooring to squeeze in some less crowded time together by having a preliminary cocktail and trying to fortune tell gossip about the coming night. Pragmatically, I also like to lightly think as a group about how the pictures will look before we're in full swing, trade clothes, and do one another's makeup for those who observe. If this sounds... <laughs> She's so funny. She's so good. She's really great. Um... If this sounds a little draconian to you, wear the predetermined friendship uniforms or be cast out from social life. It really doesn't have to be. To less calculating minds, it's more like my friends will specify, dress for a picnic. And even though I already thought I understood that I was going to a picnic, it changes how I want to see myself there. It's interpretive. So I think that like dress for a picnic is a perfect example of like, yeah, you were, you're going to a picnic. So anything you wear to the picnic, you're dressing for a picnic. But when you say dress for a picnic, people stop and think about it. And I think like that's what we could do here to encourage like fall dressing. Have you seen that meme that's like it's fall so I can finally start dressing? So I think that I would probably like include this meme in anything I was communicating about what to wear. Like it's fall. We can finally start dressing. And I think that's also a way to like feel excited because a lot of people are dreading fall and winter. But it's like, no, this is our opportunity to like wear a really cute fall outfit for that like one glorious week when you can wear like a light jacket and a sweater and look amazing. So I think communicating that would be really great. Yeah, I love that. And I I love saying like the, the, the other cool thing about saying like dress for a picnic or a dress for a, an autumn party, you get to see how people interpret that, mm-hmm. which I just think is like a fun, cool thing. And then is another thing where that Priya Parker talks about, which is like people making meaning together as a group and mm-hmm. how it's, it's a kind of meaning you can only make in that setting with that group that is coming together for that purpose. And that can feel really special. Agree. Also, she talks about in the book pre-gaming your guests, which I'm not sure if it'll come up in this worksheet, but the idea is like get your guests excited like from the start. And I feel like this is a good way to do that because there can be conversations. If you know the other people going like, what are you wearing? I'm thinking this or that. Like it gets people thinking about it and excited to see what everyone else is wearing and just like builds the excitement, which I think is ultimately kind of the point. I'm so excited. I'm already picturing. I already know, like, I've decided this is happening, like, in the park that you, <laughs> that you live near. And I'm, I'm, like, figuring out my outfit, like, as we talk. I'm yeah. really, very excited. <laughs> Amazing. All right. So I think that we just have one more thing to go over. So rule five, close with intention. Ending your time together well is a crucial way to shape the feelings, ideas, and memories you want your guests to take with them. Endings are a reminder of why you gathered in the first place and give guests a chance to make sense of the time they spent together. Just as you don't start your invitations or gatherings with logistics, you don't want to end on them either. Closings are a moment of power. How you end your time together shapes your guest's experience, sense of meaning, and memory of the event. On the one hand, you don't want to kill the vibe and seem like a party pooper by kicking everyone out the door. On the other hand, you shouldn't wait until the life has been sucked out of everyone to end it. Your gathering doesn't need to end with a grand closing speech. You could simply put an end time on the invitation, issue a last call, a song, an announcement, a signal to indicate that your time together is coming to an end, 
provide a simple chocolate or other small token on the way out that symbolizes the theme of the night or just a thoughtful, unexpected treat. Take a group photo before everyone disappears. Let's capture tonight. Walk your guests to the door rather than having them see themselves out. Brainstorm ideas for the closing below. Your gathering's purpose. Remind people of the why. And then three ideas to close your party. How can you implement a simple but or a small but powerful way to metaphorically wrap a gathering and distinguish it from your last one? What do you think? Okay. I think so. Remind people of the why. The purpose is like make up for lost time and like get to hang before pandemic winter. I think. I don't know how this can be worked into a closing, but I think it would be cool to be like, let's do some, a couple photos before we end. And then in like the depths of winter, let's like text the photos to, let's make a group thread and like text them to each other. That's so nice. I think that's really, I think I love the end with a group photo idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is also a nice way to kind of communicate because I feel like there comes a shift in a hangout where it's like, oh, I think we've crossed into the threshold of like, now is a time when people might start leaving. Is it okay? Is it too soon? Should I, what do I do? And so I think that like saying like, before everyone goes, let's take a group photo as a way of acknowledging that that time period has been, you've entered into it. And so like anyone leaving after that is not leaving too soon. It's kind of like a wedding traditionally like ends once the cake is cut is how Mm -hmm. it works. It's like Mm -hmm. the people who like go to bed early, like, no, once the cake is cut, like, that's kind of the time you can leave. And so you don't want to cut the cake too late because people are waiting for that. And I feel like that's, I love that as a rule because it's like, okay, we've all agreed the cake has been cut. You can go now. And I think Mm -hmm. this is a similar way to do this at a party. Like, we've taken this photo. Now, if you need to go, you can go. And that's totally fine. Right. Now we can disperse. Okay. I love that. So group photo is a great one. Yeah. I'm also wondering if there's a way to do like any kind of like, you know, I like with smaller gatherings, like at a birthday party, like everyone goes around and says something about the birthday person that they like. Is there anything for this gathering that it would make sense to like everyone share a thing or like, and is there anything like that that works here? I mean, one thing, maybe like one thing you're excited about for winter or one thing you're planning for winter, because I personally, someone, a friend of mine was like, I'm planning to reread all of Game of Thrones this winter. And I was like, Ooh, that reminds me that like having a winter activity, especially during the pandemic is really nice. And I was like, I'm going to rewatch Game of Thrones this winter. And maybe, so maybe that particularly during the pandemic, like people sharing a thing that they're going to do or that they're excited about, because that then becomes a thing that like other people someone else would be like, oh, I should have something I'm excited about for the winter. Yeah. I also think that that's the kind of thing that if you're the host, like make a video as everyone's talking or write these things down and then like send the list to the group. That's a nice way to like after the fact kind of keep the conversation going. And like, I think that just by saying I'm excited about this thing, you put it out there and it makes you more likely to do it. Or maybe you hadn't thought about it, like you said, but now you're like, oh, you know what? I actually am going to do this thing this winter. So I think any kind of like forward looking, forward looking reflection, if that makes sense, Mm -hmm. like you're thinking about you know, what you want to, what you want to be true in six months or the next time we gather. And I think that's another thing that I've, I can't remember where I was when somebody asked that maybe it was a birthday, but it was like, what do you want to be going on in, in your life the next time that we all get together? Like what, what are you hoping for? Which can also be a nice way of like opening up and sharing something that you're like working toward or what are you hoping for? So again, like know your audience, read the room, but I think that like shared, anticipation and sort of reflections can be a really nice thing. Yeah. And I think that also is great for people who want to like share something that feels a little bit personal and meaningful. And then someone else who wants to share something that's like maybe not as like intensely personal, but you know, that you have options there. Mm -hmm. And it's also a moment where like all the fun things that happen during the party come back up. Like I hope next time we get together, like so-and-so like, you know, does a spit take like they did this time or whatever. 
Yeah. I also think that like if you are, you know, want to be a little sentimental, you can like if you want to, she says you don't have to end with a grand speech, but if you want to just like thank everyone for coming and say like, you know, part of the reason I wanted to do this is to remember this in the depths of winter and like remember in the depths of winter that we have each other, like reach out if you're not doing well, if you need anything, Mm -hmm. like look, you know, like look at who's here with us right now. Like we're here for each other and like we're going to, even if we can't physically be together, like we're we're in community and we have each other's backs, I think could also be a nice thing to like remind everybody of because it's easy to forget that, that like, I don't know when you haven't seen people or talked to people in a while or had that vulnerable moment, it can be hard to reach out. But I think as I'm thinking about winter, I'm just like people need to reach out. And so reminding everyone of that is also maybe something you would want to do. Yeah, man, I love that. I'm now so incredibly attached to this gathering. (laughs) Um, I love that so, so much, Rachel. All right. I think we did it. Yeah, I think we did it. We planned a party. So great. I feel good about it. I feel much better about other things I've planned. And I think that whether or not it happens in real life, it's just going to be really a really fun one. Yeah. I also want to say that, you know, Priya doesn't really focus on things that I find important, like finding the exact color cups from Party City that I want to buy and other decoration related things. I think that like that falls into this like creating a temporary world. But she also says like, you know, most party checklists focus on that kind of stuff. So she doesn't. But I do think that like decorations and music and other like candles and vibe, all that stuff is like very much in the spirit of this. So we could have literally spent an entire other episode on like, do we want the theme to be more like spooky or do we want it to be more like just classic autumnal and all those things. And like that to me is like the fun part of planning a party. That's like where I find a lot of joy, but this is about the meaning of the party and those things are still tied to the meaning, but I think it helps if you start with the purpose and then let the the decor and the outfits and the music and the food flow from that and not the other way around. Yeah, I totally agree. In fact, like I'm just thinking now, like I think all of this planning and talking about purpose and stuff can only like enrich and enhance the experience of like finding, you know, making the perfect playlist, putting together the perfect like menu or whatever. Yeah, agree completely. Now that we have this really awesome party planned, let's talk about a nice thing to end on. Rachel, what do you have? Okay. My nice thing to end on is perhaps will come as a surprise to some people who know that I famously hate sports, but I've been really into sports documentaries lately and highly recommend them. So there's many to choose from, but we've been watching a bunch of old 30 for 30s. Like if you haven't watched any 30 for 30, watch like OJ Made in America or The Last Dance. Those are two just like incredible iconic ones. We've also talked about some of the 30 for 30 podcast episodes, maybe on this podcast, maybe not, but I have some I could recommend. But like entertainment wise, sports documentaries, 30 for 30. There's also one on Netflix called Untold, which is really good. It's a newer one. And we watched the first two episodes. One is about Malice at the Palace, which is fascinating. The second one is about this female boxer who just has like, oh, it's had a really, really wild and, and, and remarkable life, let's say, um, in a lot of ways. And they're all, I've, I've talked a lot in the past year about missing E! True Hollywood stories. Like I just miss <laughs> sitting down to watch like an hour to learn about like Judy Garland or whoever, you right. know. And I find that these are kind of hitting the same sweet spot. Like they're a topic that I'm like, often loosely aware of, maybe not at all, know nothing about. And they just give you a really nice, complete history, really good interviews. And they're like, you know, you can pick and choose because some of them are a lot darker than others. And we've been steering clear of the really dark ones lately. But like, they feel a little bit like gossipy, like a little bit like, I don't know. I think the reason I like them is they're ultimately like workplace dramas. Like it's about how teams and coaches and media like interact to create you know, a successful operation. And I think, I don't know, we don't see 
it's hard. To, I don't know. It's hard to find stories of like how workplaces run in in this sort of specific way where people are willing to talk about like, yeah, he did this thing and I was pissed about it or like this is how I was actually feeling. And so it made me act this way. Like it's a really interesting peek into how people think about their jobs. And I, I'm just I'm loving them. So got to got to give a shout out to sports documentaries. That's awesome. I love a sports documentary. I'm also famously not interested in sports, but love a sports documentary. I've never thought about them like 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 workplace gossip. What did you just I'm sorry, Rachel, I think that's kind of the gist of it. Like, yeah. Yeah. I've never thought about oh, workplace drama. I've yeah. never thought about them like that, but that's like totally what they are. 30 for 30 just a bunch of amazing ones. And then also just like Netflix randomly has a ton of of like of documentaries on like athletes mm-hmm. and on like famous scandals and sports. And those are mm-hmm. a ton of fun. So I love this for you. Thank you. My nice thing to end on is the Twitter account and also just like phenomenon weather is happening. The the Twitter account is actually weather is happen, but it's also a website weatherishappening.com and it is they it is a Boston based weather source that tweets only in capital letters and <laughs> kind of shares weather news in a really funny deranged way, but truly does like share really good, useful, important weather related announcements. (laughs) But yeah, just like in a funny, wild way. A lot of also like really, really good retweets about weather related things and climate related things. And they tweeted something yesterday that in all caps said there is no such thing as apolitical, which is like not weather related, but in many ways is. And it's just like a really Mm -hmm. fun, delightful way of learning about the weather. And I, I only, I became aware of them because someone was, someone who was reporting on the weather tweeted something about how New Englanders are like obsessed with talking about the weather. And someone Mm. replied in that thread and tagged weather is happening. And I was like, well, this is the best Twitter account I've discovered in in quite some time. So I highly recommend following them at weather is happen. It's a really good account. It's just sort of like that lovely brand of like unhinged internet-y fun that and, and like the way it screams is is it's yeah really it good. works. I never I I always think <laughs> man I'm going to get tired of these all caps, but I actually never do. <laughs> Great rack. Okay, so thank you for listening to this episode of Oh I Like That. Please do rate us and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at Oh I Like That Pod or email us at Oh I Like That Pod at gmail.com. You can also follow the two of us. I'm at the underscore R E W M and Sally is at Sally T. Oh, I Like That is produced by Rachel and Sally and edited by Lucas. Amber Seeger, who is Rocket Orca on social media, designed our logo.